the Six Pointer Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Six Pointer Podcast. Uh, it's a pre-season special today. Um, we are here in, where are we bruv? Someone else in. I don't know what this place is called. Cafe Elmer's End. It's a uh, it's a very nice place. We're waiting on the coffee and the food, but um, so we'll reserve judgment. Well, uh, we'll let you know. We'll let you know on that one. But yeah, we are. We've been to the Beckham and Beer Festival, um, and we thought we'd we'd pop on the pod and do a little pre-season sort of um, thoughts and reflection, especially given what's gone in the last uh, seven to ten days at Palace. It's been a pretty um, well monumental, I suppose, time given. Um, Given what's given, who's departed and, and what's gone on, but we also thought we'd look forward to the to the season ahead and reflect on our thoughts on on how it might how it might pan out. And, and obviously, disclaimer: this is our thoughts and reflections. Who knows what Palace might do in the next couple of weeks? They've got they've got two to three weeks to do some uh, do some business. So um, so we'll see. But yeah. Um, be good to have a chat about what, what we think and um, what might happen, bro. Also, I should say, thoughts and reflections caveated with we've had about, I don't know, a few beers at the Beckenham Beer Festival. Um, and also, I'll correct you there, bruv, because Palace are notorious for doing their business late. So I'd say they've got more than two or three weeks. They've got until the 1st of September, which, as we all know, Palace likes pushing to the wire because uh, obviously we're not on those big spending club so I, I expect us fully to be doing our business up until the very very deadline so uh, I think you might be able to write off the first uh, three games of the season as it were which um, won't please many people but um, it's, it is where we are um, hopefully for the opening game of the season and well at least for, for the first home game of the season against Arsenal Palace can be competitive because uh, we need to be it's on Sky uh, it'll be sold out Palace fans obviously going there. Um, I'm sure there'll be plenty at Sheffield United away as well the, the week before. But um, yeah, given what's happened over the recent weeks, Palace really need to uh, inject some sort of positivity to the fan base. So, Brian, look on that. Wilf has departed. Right, that's the elephant in the room. That was what we were always waiting to hear. Was he staying? Was he going? We were hopefully still on a contract, and I thought the longer it went on, I thought he would sign. But clearly, he had he had other plans. Right, but. Just, 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 just to get your thoughts immediately on that. Okay, we are Zaharless, but we've been without him for quite a bit in the last 12, 18, 24 months because injuries have racked up and his performances have, uh, you know, there have been times when he's been uh, you know, not as involved as we would expect him to be as your talisman. And the likes of Eze and Elise have come through. Do we, do we, he's left. Do we really think, though, that where we finish the season to where we start the new season is that much of a delta? I mean, look, it's caveat, it's, or, or put the background in the same, look, look, he is Crystal Palace's greatest ever player in yeah. their um, And he is a huge loss. He is irreplaceable. But there was always going to be this time, you know, given the fact of his age, what he's 30 now, 30, is he 30, 31? I don't know how old he is now anyway, but 30 or whatever it is. And, um, yeah, 30 is fact. Fact, is it? Are you sure? You check that on Wikipedia. There was always going to be this time where this came. I think that Palace fans always wanted to see Wilfred Zaha push himself at a higher level, as long as it wasn't an immediate competitor to Palace. I, I guess my, 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 my thoughts are that 
I guess I'm just a bit disappointed in where, in where he's gone. I, I guess I wanted to see him. No disrespect to Galatasaray because they are in their home right a huge club. Massive. You know they've, they've undoubted success. You know domestically. Um, I just would have thought that he could have perhaps elite, perhaps sort of. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers. Perhaps could have could have gone to a, a I guess inverted commas a bigger club because I would have seen him at a bigger stage. I guess my fear is that he goes with this want to play European football and he perhaps you know doesn't get past the qualifiers of Champions League or if he does at best you know gets to play what. Six game, five or six games in the Champions League group stages, and then that's it. So, uh, I guess I'm, I'm just a bit disappointed for him. Yeah. Disappointed for Palace fans who wanted to see him and, and you know prove that point we've been saying for all this time that you know when you put him among better players, he will be world class. And I guess I don't really feel we're going to get the opportunity to say that. There's two discussion points here, though. One is Palace. Zahalus and the other is Will from what we've wanted for him or what we've got for him and or got from him and the fact is that he's moved on that's lovely he's, you've got a nice that's coffee that's lovely. Lovely Will's moved on you've got a nice coffee he's moved on to yeah okay not what we wanted but I, I, bruv, I looked at him right I was emotionally upset by what happened I didn't cry but I was I was bothered by it because I saw the way I found out about it was it was will he work won't he what's he going to do is he do this he do that and all of a sudden he's on a plane saying hello I'm on my way and, and it was like well it's happening yeah. and then he was out there and it was sort of in the dark he was doing all the songs and it was like it was, it was all of a sudden it was very real and I guess we'd had that period whereby you know he wasn't being paid by Crystal Palace for sort of three or so weeks so fair play to the bloke you know as, as someone who's employed by a company ourselves we can understand that he wants to be paid by an employer but it just felt all of a sudden very sort of like it was happening I did think Palace's reaction to it was very positive I thought the way they dealt yeah. with it with the putting the goals up you know putting statements up from Parrish and others was, was positive and you know Roy's comments on it it was a clear surprise to them that he wasn't therefore staying on but at the same time there's an element of for people who've watched Chris Wolf uh, what 12 years whatever it is I remember this 20, Wednesday, 20, 2010 2010 I remember that Sheffield United Sheffield Wednesday home game when he scored and that's like the, kind of the first real Leicester was it, sorry Leicester was it 4-2 four, 3-2 four, two, three, three, two, three, two. Three, two. Three, two. you nearly put it away I couldn't tell you the score but I remember the game just told you the Gap Logistics uh, sponsor just after the Sheffield Wednesday that's what, I'm going to Chef Wednesday. Uh, May, wasn't it? Second of May. Yeah, yeah, so you're right. Yes, I think that. Let's my brain's coming together here. Uh, just the beer. Just the beer. But, you know, I remember, I remember him playing this, like, this unknown thing, and, and people were like, oh, that's a hard bloke you had. And I was like, oh, you know, who is he? You know, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and we had something special. We've had something special for a long, long time, and you kind of wanted him to go on and push on. And the Man United move didn't work out, and then he came back, and, you know, he's been. One of, the, one of the main factors that Palace stayed in the Premier League for so, so long. I guess for us it was always where will you go next? And I was excited for some of the PSG links and this and that. Yeah. Didn't come off. He's gone where he's gone. I think over the last few days I've kind of come to terms with it and fair play. If that's what he wants to do, then great. You know, he's kind of, uh, he's not going to get to the heights we wanted him to get to. You know, to some extent, to purposes, he's kind of settling for 
you know, Champions League football in the midst of a, a lower quality league, fair play to him, right? It's, it's a bigger, it's a bigger topic here for someone who's just hit thirty, who's got a family, a wife, children. He wants to maybe have a different life experience, and that will give him that. There's a couple of points there, Rob. I think one, it wasn't only fans that were taking a surprise with this. I think, from what I understand, from murmurs inside the club, that rumors inside with Dad's t-shirt, that. I think that um, people up until up until he signed for Galatasaray, people were still hopeful in the club that he was going to sign a new contract. Yeah. So I think there was there was that as well. But also, I guess you need to think that Wolf has always performed best at Crystal Palace because he is perhaps a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. And I'm not calling Galatasaray a small pond, but perhaps he is the bigger fish in the Turkish pond. Look at the team they've got. Look at the team they've got. He will be the star man. Yeah, of course. No, he, he will. Yeah, he will be undoubtedly the talisman. He will yeah. be. He will be the main, the main man. So, I think that the maybe there's that to, to, to take into consideration as well in terms of his future at his club. That he wanted to go to a club where he was going to be the main man. Whereas yeah, if he yeah. goes to a Man City yeah. or something like that, yeah, he would have been a, a bit plot player. Well, am, am I going to get in the team? You know, exactly. Yeah. So maybe he needs that, and maybe they really need to take that into consideration. I guess. Yeah. I, I, I will probably watch Galatasaray's Champions League game but as a result of that now I think that, yeah. that it'll be interesting to see how he performs um, especially you know I think given the whole sort of Fenerbahce links in the weeks before as well that's going to be a tasty derby as well um, look the king is dead long live the king I guess who's going to fill that gap now is, is, is the answer that, that Palace fans need to be asking just, just on the Wolf situation though can you, can you foresee a situation whereby he's back on loan because there is a situation whereby it doesn't work out, Champions League thing comes and goes. You know, he could be on back on loan with us within the next twelve months. Could you see that? No, I can't. You think this is it? This, I... this is the end of the world. Even how about post? So, so I, th- I think contract. there's more chance that a fact that you know a thirty-four-year-old will comes back to Palace for one last hurrah. You know, plays. You know, thirty minutes every game, whatever it is, yeah. as, as a bit of a yeah. sort of a boost, come off the bench, thing like that. Maybe I, I do think this this is it. And I, I came to terms with that sort of back in the last season when all this happened. I, I sort of came to terms with that, and I, I, I'm okay with it. I'm at peace with it. I guess I know that some fans have taken it a bit hard, but yeah. Well, do you remember though? Do you remember that game? What was the game? You were injured. It was a home game. It was a right hand side in front of the half and off just to the right where we look. Yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I said I to you, that's game. it. Yeah. I said to you, that's it. Yeah. That, that's that's it the was. last we see of Wilf. And it yeah, it did, I'm, not, I'm not like big myself up. I'm just saying, I thought that was it. I thought that was Zender Wilf. And whilst I hope to sign the grind that he hasn't, he's gone where he's gone. Will he come back? Won't he? You know, we could see it. But I think the fact is, like, all of us wish him well. Yeah. Like, like you, I will, I will look out for their games. I will want to see him doing well. This is this is our frustration to have is because he's gone where he's gone. You're very unlikely to pick up a a cover. Oh no, it'll be hopefully highlights or uh, yeah. stuff on Twitter or Apart from Champions League. Like game, yeah, of course. Yeah. But we'll watch out for it, and you know, like, yeah, big him up because he's done so so well for us, and nothing but for, but but love for what he's done for us, and you know, he's you know the. Um, what do they call it? On the Mr. Wheel. Crystal Palace? Well, no, the more... Oh, the mu- mural. Mural, sorry. Yeah, the mural yeah. they've done for him, you know. Memorials when he's dead. Oh, he's not dead yet. Sorry. Long live the kid. The mural they've done for him, but like, recognise exactly what he's done with Palace. And if he never comes back, never plays another game with Crystal Palace, you look at him as a great summer player. And, and we're very lucky in a lifetime to see him as well. And, and onwards and upwards. And now uh, there's an opportunity now for others. And I suppose going with the injury thing is, bruv, is that yeah. others have stepped up. 
you know, as a with, with Hodgson in charge has stepped up, at least yeah. say over the last sort of nine months or so has stepped up. Yeah. You know, and, and you've got other players who potentially come through now, you know, and, and it gives an opportunity for the for the Raksakis and others to become the Mr. Chris Palace and, and hopefully that's when that's what we get. I think so. I think more of a long-term vision, especially for Raksak, I fully expect him to go out on loan to a championship club because I don't think you can make that jump from League One to Premier League in, in one season. I think he needs to push himself. And I think Ipswich has been touted, which, you know... Has it? Yeah, so, so it would be good for him to go there, I think. Um, a club which I've got a lot of time for and I'd like to see him there. So, yeah, I, I think there are opportunities and I think this... What's the word I'm looking for? sort of thinking that, that Roy wouldn't blood youngsters or it is because he prefers experience I think that's maybe because of the fact that he was had nothing but experience in his last spell at Palace and you know that you know Aaron Wambasaka you know got his chance at the Roy Hodgson Tyrant Mitchell got his chance yeah. at the Roy Hodgson and these were players that have gone on to do great things in the Premier League so I think the proof is that if you if you've got it then you, then you will make the impact and you will get the time and I I only hope that you know if people like David Ozo and if Raxine doesn't go on loan, you know, they do get chances. And it may be, you know, if there is a lack of investment, that Palace will have to go down that route. And that's what I was alluding to you as well, bruv, on the way over here as we were talking off-pod. You know, I do think there's that, that danger, as it were, that Palace have gone with Roy because they think that, well, hang on, we don't need to invest because we invested so heavily a couple of seasons ago under Patrick Vieira where we had to make those wholesale changes because we had 12 players out of contract and we had to bring in Mark Gay. Um, Joseph Anderson, Michael yeah, Elise, uh, Ed uh, Odward, you know, it's an Odward, you know, and, and it's an Odward, 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 it's an Odward. It's the beer, isn't it? Um, can we get another coffee, please, man? Um, I, I think, I, I think that because we invested so heavily, I think we need to appreciate that a club like Crystal Palace can't be doing that every summer. No, so absolutely. it needs to be every every few seasons that it happens, and it may be another couple of seasons before it happens again. So it may be that Roy's has to work with what he's got. Whilst I do think, I mean, might, this might be a, something a discussion for part two, though. That Jesus Christ, we need a striker. We we need we need yeah. talent. We need a main man. You know, obviously there's a Wilfred Zahar gap, um, but we do need a striker. I, I don't think that Crystal Palace as a, an established Premier League club that we are now can go into the season uh, with Jean-Philippe Mateta Odson Edouard and Jordan Ayew as your main centre forwards because we know that sort of Edouard and um, Ayew tend to play wider anyway so I think that um, we, do, we do need a, another out and out centre forward um, whether that's going to be the Palace take a punt on another Alex, Alexander Serla or Jean-Philippe Mateta type, or we go for a spend big and go for a, you know, an established Premier League striker or someone who's, who's got Premier League experience. I, I just, that, that's my main concern, that we, we need someone in attacking threat. I think as long as we, we can keep hold of Gay and Anderson, we need a striker. Big time. Right, look, you're right. This is a topic for part two. So we're going to end and wrap up part one there. And my coffee. Get another coffee on the, on the table. Um, it's been interesting chat, and actually it's, it's one that, you know, a lot of Palace fans were reflecting on is where, where do we go now without Wilf? Like I say, I think we've moved on in the sense that, you know, not, not emotionally moved on, that would take time, but I think moved on in the sense that others have stepped up. We've had less of Wilf in the last 12 months or so of injuries and things coming out, and it's been a position where Palace have had to you know, physically moved on, move on without him. But it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the coming games as the season kicks off as to, as to where they get to without him. On that point, bruv, 
what's going to be very interesting is who's going to take the number 11 next because that, yeah. that, they've got big shoot boots to fill that almost like against their will but you know, for no fault of their own they're going to have a huge wave of expectation on their shoulders um, whoever wears that number 11 shirt next so that's going to be interesting to see good stuff to be discussed in part 2 Hello and welcome back to part two of the Six Pointer Podcast. Uh, pre-season 23-24 special. We have moved location. We're now in the Bricklayer's Arms in, uh, in Beckenham High Street. Bit of a regular haul for the pod, isn't it? I've done at least a couple of pods here. a couple of pods here. Um, good Guinness. So that's, uh, that's the main attraction, let's be honest. And an outside area. An outside space. Yeah. No smoking. No smoking, yeah. Or vaping, as the sign says. Please so use designated smoking area, sorry. It's important. It's important yeah. signage. So, yeah, so that part two is going to be reflecting on uh, where we stand at the minute with regards to Palace's... Uh, it's not starting level, it's a squad these days, but, you know, where we think we might need to um, strengthen or supplement in the coming weeks before the season starts. But not forgetting also, there's a transfer window, right, bruv? So, you know, any sort of... Concern or worry about certain positions doesn't have to be sorted for the for the start of the season. Sheffield United away. Two scores of fault. One, if you do not do your transfer business early, you're kind of throwing away the first sort of two, three games of the season, which can be frustrating. Obviously, yeah. Sheffield United, Arsenal, and whatever the third game in August is. Um, Brentford. You might be right there. I think it might be, right. might be right. Um But also, as, as I as I alluded to in, in part one, you know that. Palace are not do not have the luxury that they're not a big club that can throw, afford to throw away the sort throw around the sort of money, which means that you can do your business early. Therefore, they take it to Brinkmanship, take it to the first of September, ten o'clock to the deadline. You know, so it slams shut, and Jim White gets his orange or yellow uh, tie. tie on. Um, and, and you've, yeah, do you I, think there's something in that though? In the sense that anyone they sign now, with two, three weeks, was it two weeks to go? Yeah, two weeks to go, isn't it? Yeah. until the new season even this sign now really is going to be of limited use because you're trusting they've had a pre-season if they come from the Premier League maybe but it's more likely to be they've come from foreign shores so you know to the extent of the pre-season if they come from somewhere like Denmark where you know bruv, you're obviously very close to following then maybe they've had a more of a a build up and maybe even a run of games but elsewhere they might have not even started pre-season or have a, you know, a limited pre-season in there in their locker so you know, do, do you think st- still looking at it now that it's a problem come the start of the season I mean, okay let me ask you this then. is there a problem come, come the start of the season come the kick off away at, at uh, I was going to say Southampton then, at Sheffield United first game of the season is there a problem for Palace don't sign you one now I'm worried Worried is probably a bit much of a stretch. I'd be concerned if the transfer window closes and Palace haven't done the business they need to do. I think we need to dissect where Palace need to improve. And I think there's an argument to be made if Tyrant Mitchell is injured, you know, that you've got someone like Nathaniel Klein or, or Joel Ward stepping in there and your back your backup is either Jara Riederweld or Jeffrey Schlupp. Yeah. And you're taking one of those players out of midfield, probably Schlappy rather than Gyro. Yeah. I think obviously there's a Wilf, Wilfred Taha whole gap, isn't there? Which you need to, I say, fill. You need to, you need you need someone in that sort of wide attacking position, and you need a striker. So for me, and also there's there's the, the conversation whether Vicente Guaita actually goes, which the rumours are that he might he might leave the club and go back to Spain. So therefore, you need someone in there to challenge Sam Johnston. 
Um, but but you, don't, you don't need them for the first game of the season, Mark. It's my, it's my question. So, Well, you say that, bro, but what if John Philippe Mateta goes up for a header, gets a whack in the nose, breaks his nose, has to come off? You've got Odson Edward and. Jordan Knight. Yeah, but I use playing wide right, for example, because Michael Elise is injured. So you've got one recognised striker. Palace need a striker, without a doubt. They need, they need attacking options. They need more attacking options. You cannot rely on Jezun Raksaki, Malcolm Mabue, um, you know, but behind your, behind your, your, your um, main strikers, main attacking options of Eze, Edward. You know, I, I just don't think it's good enough for a Palace team right. who are established Premier League team. I think we're very light so I, in those yeah. areas. So I, I accept that. I think the striker one, however, has been something we've talked about for a long, long time. And I, I can't remember the last time we had the depth in attacking options to ha- to not be worried about it so it's not a new problem in a sense that you know those are the strikers we finished the season with okay we're, we're wilfless so that is one less player that you can play up front but he was he was one of the wide players wasn't he so yeah but he, he did fill in up front as well uh, like, through the middle at times yeah, yeah but you know I, I, I can't see Roy not starting with IU out wide in one of those positions Oh, without a doubt, he'll be awesome. Because who's who's going to play? You're going to put you're going to put um, well, Edward and Mateta, I guess. Two, I guess two of them. Mateta won't play wide. Mateta no, Mateta won't. But Edward could. Yeah, Edward could play wide, and then Ayu the other side. But again, no, bruv. What it takes for one of them to get a knock. Yeah, like you say, what, what, you, what, what are you relying on? You're then relying on Malcolm yeah. Bouay or Raksaki. Right, right. So you you need depth. So look, I'm with you on the striker situation. However, it's something we talked about for a long, long time. Where where would they go for a striker? Uh, how long's a piece of string, brother? I mean, in terms of like budget, you don't, nobody knows what Crystal Palace's budget is, do they? That's the problem. Um, you know that Textar article in, in the Athletic that came out a couple of days ago was very interesting. That yep. you know he felt that he should be or Palace should be spending more than they are. Obviously, you know Palace are very cautious, I guess, in terms of the money they're, they're spending around because you know we need to invest in the main stand, the infrastructure of the club, and things like that. So. It really depends on how much money we've got to spend. I, I still think that even as a Premier League club, if you go to a foreign league, mm-hmm. you know those those clubs which have Crystal Palace come knocking on the door, they're still going to see pound signs because you are a Premier League club. So I think, especially for an attacking option, you're looking at a minimum of ten to fifteen million. Oh, I think upwards from that. Yeah, I mean, a complete gamble. Unproven as well. Yeah, a complete gamble is that sort of money. I think twenty million upwards is kind of someone who's done anything of of any sort of. Uh, Notes. Contestable note, yeah. Uh, okay, so striker wise, we think we're a twenty million pound striker short. Fair point. You mentioned the the wing back positions again. That's what I look at. I think you know, like you said, the versatility of both Joe Ward and Nathaniel Climbing that they can both play right back and left back. Uh, Mitchell's injury, whether it is or not, is is a concern. Is Nathan Ferguson anywhere near being ready to play? I don't think so. So that he's one to count out. Have we got any other options in those positions? He's the lad that went on loan to uh, Coventry, Adam Marlola or whatever his name was. Um, yeah. But I, I, again, I don't, I don't think he's, he's, he's sort of in a position to be playing so Premier League football. Players, yeah, now, yeah. So that, that, that's that's the thing. I mean, isn't it? I mean, uh, I, and there's a balance here. And, and Parish talks about this quite a lot in terms of ensuring you don't block the path for these players. The, the Palace do want. And Palace fans do want to see academy players, young players coming through. Yeah. That's the excitement, isn't it? That's what yeah. Palace are always proud of. This is why we've invested so much money into a academy, so you can eventually bring through these players that are good enough. Um, 
But I don't think we're at that stage yet, let's be honest. And and we need to be blooding them in, in lower leagues to make sure they've got the level. Jesmyn Raksaki, for example, needs to go into a championship team this season. Um, I'd like to see David Ozo and, and, and other players. You know, uh, I know we have shipped out a few other players on, on loan as well, but we need to keep doing that to make sure they're good enough. And look, if there's a really, if there's a clause in those contracts which said that you know if they're doing well enough and Palace do need to recall them, then fair enough. Um, but where at the moment, where we are at the moment, they, 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 I wouldn't feel comfortable in, in having them as one injury away from your starting player in the Premier League. So is it cover then? Because I, I think Tyrant Mitchell and Joel Ward slash Nathaniel Klein are good enough to play week in, week out of the Premier League. I know people doubt Joel Ward because of his age, but I just, I just don't see it. No. I just think he's so, so consistent. You know, now and then he'll get found out, but what wing-back won't? And uh, similar with similar Tyrant Mitchell, you know, and I think Schlupp is enough of a backup there for me at left-back. Klein is enough backup at right-back slash left-back as well. So, I don't know. I think, again, I think it's someone who's going to be coming through to be part of the jigsaw, you know, a cog rather than a main starter, potentially. Possibly, Rob, but if Palace are looking at future-proofing as well, yeah. it may be they start off as a backup, but then, you know, halfway into the season or so, they become in contention to be good enough to be pushing for the first team. And, and uh, as much as I love Joel Ward as, as, as much as anyone else, I, I think he's probably still one of the best crossers of the ball in, 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 in the team, in the squad that we've got. Um, the fact is, you know, he won't be going on forever and he will lose pace. And that's the problem with wing-backs is that you, you will get done for pace every now and then. I think attacking-wise, he probably offers more than he does defensively at times. Um, but yeah, it's a difficult balance that Palace need to... Need to um, find there I guess and certainly finding someone who is willing to come in and perhaps not be a, a starter but then with the option to be in to doing so as as their career progresses um, and like you say that's a gamble you know look, Nathan Ferguson's a prime example of that you know he's someone that Palace brought in as, as a an option that could be a starting right back um, as he develops unfortunately injuries have, have hampered that so um, yeah for me uh, it, it, it's a difficult situation and I don't envy Dougie Freeman and, and, and the board who need to make these decisions but I just think we need bodies brother and look there's a lot of negativity around Palace at the moment um, I think obviously naturally when you lose someone like Wilfred Zahar there's going to be disappointment among the fan base and you know a bit of a shiny new thing and a new signing can, can lift people's spirits a bit. and I'm not saying you know people need to do we need to make that signing for the sake of it but we do need bodies across the line and, and I think that especially in the attacking options at least two signings there uh, and I'd like to see some wing back cover and as I say I do think a, a replacement for VG when he goes as well so what two strikers two attacking options I think one out and out striker, striker one out and out striker, and one sort of attacking player I think yeah so you think four players if the goalkeeper goes as well yeah I, I, I believe that's what's needed but look, what was interesting towards the end of last season, Gary Neville did those articles, those articles, interviews with Parrish and that. And Parrish, Steve Parrish talks about, you know, he alluded to um, Alex Ferguson's discussion of, you know, what you do every season. You don't, you don't need a major overall this season. You just need to add one or two players. I mean, that, that's obviously depending if you're Man United. Obviously, you don't lose your best players all the time, like Christopher Addis do. Um, but given what we've lost... Um, and the need to sort of the fact that we didn't really strengthen as much as we did obviously in, in the prior season, season I think that there is a need to at least at least three players I think we need them before the end of September and look let's this, this not forget that Palace are usually pretty good at utilising the loan position as well yeah. so there, there's, yeah. there's that option for us to get that um, biannual loan from Chelsea 
Well, yeah, that's the thing, actually. I saw there was no talk about Palace signing Conor Gallagher. I don't know whether that's an option. I know that West Ham were interested. He's in the Tottenham. Uh, yeah, uh, well, maybe. I Palace haven't been mentioned at all, so maybe they're not interested at all, given the, the wages and the, the fee that will be involved, potentially. But And also his position. You know, there's, there's that. He's the type of player that I think would do very, very well in a Palace team. I, think, I don't disagree with you about the striker thing. We talked about it long and hard. And I think we've also talked about the, the sort of the wing-back thing before in the pod. I think... The, the, the Wilf gap is one, but like I said to you in part one, I think that his role has has become less, albeit still it's it's a Wilf, right? And you can't replace him, so there's always a gap there immediately, but it provides an opportunity for someone to come through. I'll be interested to see what happens with um, Raksaki, because I would like to think he gets some sort of go, um, see what he can do, but I think you're right, a championship loan would be a very, very good thing for him long term as well. Um, and, and I think the other thing is that's without strengthening yeah. So that's replacing like for like, right? So when you think about strengthening, I think you're right. The midfielder position would be a good one to strengthen in. Um, I think the, the challenge we've got is that that's without anyone going. So you mentioned Gaeta going, but you know Sam Johnson could potentially be number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he will be. So then you've got a position of what if they let Anderson or Gay or Elise go, or, or you know Eze's the other obvious one. Well, that, 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 That's think, a massive gap to fill. I think what will, what will give us a lot more of an insight into our uh, setup will be I think it's Sunday we're playing Seville. Are we Seville on Sunday? I believe in Detroit tomorrow. It might be. I think it's like one o'clock in the morning or something like that, or like yeah, Monday morning or whatever. It's anyway. Roy said in the press conference following the, uh, the last game he played on Thursday morning that that will give people more of an indication because that will look more like our starting a lineup for the first game of the season. So I think that will give us more indication of sort of looking at who's starting, who's on the bench, and where we need to strengthen. Um, obviously, we need to remember that Michael Lise is going to come back from injury um, if he doesn't get sold. But yeah, it's a very good point what you make, brother, about you know Palace aren't in this position where we can't not afford always to sign players not to sell players so people like Anderson and Gay may well go and then there's the, the, the fact that you need to bring someone in to, to replace that I mean are we really going to be feel comfortable with James Tonkin starting week in week out in the, in, in the Premier League I think he's when he's come in he's done a job in cover but I don't think I don't think anyone wants as, as, as him as a first choice centre back no dis- disrespect for me I think he still can do it but not perhaps not all throughout the season so um, I guess we're getting more towards that time now there's that the closer we get to the end of the transfer window if you were to lose someone like that you've got less time to, to replace that's them. the issue isn't it is someone else creating a gap in addition to the issues or areas we already need to supplement or fulfil that, that would create a problem for but look then the, if the model is as we are able to believe which is by them young developing up and coming and then you know sell them on for lots of money it's the, the likes of those we've discussed going wouldn't be out of the equation actually it would be a potentially a good move for Palace with the plans for the stand and, and you know, other things looking to build so it wouldn't be a disaster but I think like you say it's the timing of those moves and the ability to replace those players with something of the like that they'd like to have in those positions that are you know Premier League starters rather than taking a gamble necessarily on someone who isn't going to be in a position to start you'd like to think there's behind the scenes there's a plan to have those that, that sort of that filter through of the youth players of the up and coming players what a better term to replace those sort of stars we have today are worth tens of millions of pounds uh, and in some positions you, you could see it like the Raksakis and David Ozos and others you know coming into that, those midfield attacking positions 
I, I don't know enough about the youth team to say we've got that in the centre-back position. Uh, you can tell me if I'm, I'm wrong. Jake O'Brien scored on the week uh, the other day, didn't he? He's fielder, isn't he? He's a defender. He's a defender. Is he? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a big lad. Um, but yeah, look, you're right. Palace's model is to buy, buy young, buy cheap, and, and so on, and that is what we need to do to survive. That's how the, the, the club will generate income and and, yeah. and progress. So it will happen. For these players who, and this, this face it, look. Deutsche Anderson, we signed for twenty odd million. Same with Mark Gay, twenty twenty five. If you're if you're talking about selling them now, Rob, I think that Anderson Gay both command at least sort of fifty, forty to fifty odd million. So you almost you doubled your money on those. Yeah, and and that's what Palace had a couple need. of good years at them as well. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this this, this whilst, whilst there will be sadness in seeing these players go. We also need to celebrate that the fact that this was always part of the plan, and the Palace can then reinvest that money and, and look to push forward because that's, that's I think what we need to see now. Ten years in the Premier League, Palace needs to see some sort of progression going forward now. And I think that uh, I was listening to perhaps it was the FYP podcast the other day, and they were talking about there are some fans or a lot of fans now who will be in the stadium, younger fans especially, that all they've known is Palace as a Premier League, club, yeah. and all they've known is, is surviving the Premier League. So. Even more so from those sort of those sort of fans, there is the need to, to see progression because they've just seen nothing but Premier League football. Oh, mate, Whereas we have seen progression over the years. You know, we've said before, right? If you started playing Palace when you were ten years old, you know, twenty years old, you've seen Palace in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, nothing. And it's all else. you've known. Yeah, and, and the problem is we see progression in the sense of progression versus where we have seen Palace over the years. So you know, the fact that we've seen administrations, we've seen yeah. relegations, we've seen. Lots of negative, I mean, like the 2000s, you know, themselves. <laughs> Look at it in retrospect, a pretty um, dour place of Palace. But, you know, where we've come through that and therefore the recognition, the appreciation we have where we are now is very different to someone who has just started to put the clubs. So I was saying to you earlier, you know, just, just off pod chat, and that if we were to finish the top half this season, that'd be a massive success. For a lot of people, that's not a success because they've seen Palace come up and, you know, be in the Premier League and should be competing to the next level so it's interesting isn't it and I think that model of buying players selling them on we need to be realistic about what that gives us but also if they hold on to those players and decide financially that they are going to stick with not selling them then we should push on and I think it's the case of where can we go with the manager with the coach and staff with the setup that we have and I think it's kind of a nice problem to have. Yeah, definitely. I, I do like how our brotherly conversations have been called now off pod chats. You know, that's that, that's nice. Um, but also, it's walking on the road over the chat. Yeah, yeah it's called off pod. Um, formal, formal, formal. Yeah. But I think you know, case in point there, Trevor Francis. You know, obviously he passed away yeah. early in the week, and uh, very sad to, to, to see that. Someone who was, uh, you know, an excellent footballer, someone who I didn't know as as a footballer, obviously in my time. But I think he was the first million pound footballer, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, came in uh, to Palace at a, a strange time when we just lost Steve Bruce and it was a bit of a, a weird period where Simon Jordan almost was trying to get one up on Birmingham by taking the manager they sacked, which I don't quite understand that. But, you know, and, and I don't think anyone, I don't know, not, didn't not enjoy the football under, under Trevor Francis, but I think... Oh, mate, there were some great there, there games. There were some great Liverpool, win, uh, Liverpool, the League Cup runs, and obviously the Brighton 5-0, and, and I think we did have some stable times, yeah. but that, that, that was sort of a case in point in, in what I was trying to say, that you know those sort of times were very mediocre sort of championship yeah. to what we are now you know this is the golden era now yeah. oh, you know where, whereas you think about those 2000 early to early to mid 2000s you know i mean beside the the flirt in in, in the premier league in 0405 
you know, we were we were a mid-table Division One team, Championship team, whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, I think perspective, but also, uh, Paris said, if you're not if you're not progressing, if you're not moving forward, you, you know, you're, you're standing still and you're, and you're sort of almost moving backwards sometimes. So we need to see some sort of progression. I think at the moment there's almost a placeholder in with Palace because of the managerial situation, that you know, there was no one really available uh, that was better than Roy. So Roy and Ray took, took the helms and I don't know whether this is a view for Paddy McCarthy learning a bit more and perhaps getting getting the job in the future. I, I don't know if that's the case. I'd, I'd still be very concerned if that was the case, even after a year under, or 18 months under, under Roy's tutelage. But there's more of a pressing issue it feels for me next season when we have to make that decision rather than now but as I alluded to in part one I can't shake this feeling that the owners have sort of gone with Roy because they feel that he's done it before with very little um, backing very little uh, income um, in terms of funds so it's okay we're just tread water for a season until we can find the man who's going to take us forward and then we're going to investigate like I did on Patrick Vieira yeah I guess only time will tell Um, and like you say we don't know the the rationale that led to Roy's reappointment like we said in this pod before we're both very happy with it because we respect the man and what he will do for Palace and no doubt I have no doubts even if Palace were not to sign another player no doubt that Palace would have a positive season we would not get relegated well but well, like they, they, said, they've said haven't they bruv top half finish I mean Roy and, and Parrish both come out and said that's what we need to be aiming for so, so they, they have they have sort of nailed their colours to the mark. Yeah. yeah but I think that's on the basis they don't sell the talent they don't they, they sign when they need to sign I guess that's the caveat that comes with that it's you can only do so much of what you've got to work with I think if we do make signings if we do keep hold of the players then absolutely that should be the case uh, I, I wonder whether the ambition might be tailored or tempered slightly if you know they don't do with those things but look you know it's a place to build from it's a, a positive situation to be in the opportunities we have to sort of build something from here for Palace and I think that under Roy we've got that stability and, and hopefully <laughs> like we always say the, the, the plan or the time and the space to build for the future with the next manager and the next squad but it's the way it is with football isn't it it's not standing still it's never going to be settled and for anyone to think it would be would be sort of even form is the wrong term but you know it's, it's, it doesn't work like that it doesn't work like that and for a team like Palace whereby you are trying to build from and through and build the next you know, set of players and the next squad and so on and so forth it's going to be a bit feel a bit funny on a better term um, because of that anyway look a nice nice problem to have EFB go on just just to say to our Danish listeners uh, fans of EFB we will be doing a uh, podcast for Middle Far Away on the 18th of uh, August so we'll be there in person watching the game and a few beers um, it'll be the first away game that I've gone to since the Colding game um, and obviously look forward to seeing uh, a lot of uh, EFB fans there um, I appreciate that for the first home game of the season um, there won't be allowed fans at the stadium to play, play behind closed doors due to the uh, actions of some fans at the uh, Colding game but um, I'm sure EFB fans will be there at Middle Far um, very well behaved and in fine voice and hopefully uh, up for a few beers 
a few hot dogs and some good football and looking forward to a promotion season because that is the remit this season promotion or nothing else really so uh, it's uh, do or die as it were um, need to get out of that league need to progress come on EFB let's do this I'm interested in the multiple hot dogs point multiple beers and multiple hot dogs sounds like a day out mate well you should have been at ours three minutes away mate uh, in August last year I had six hot dogs oh and God. they were uh, voted six? You know, Shut so there's a, there's a geezer Yama said there's a geezer that goes around and he votes the best uh, hot dogs in in Denmark six? and they were voted at ours for a minute were voted uh, the best um, hot dogs in Denmark they were oh a flex of chorizo and they were fantastic unfortunately repeated me for the next two days when I was bourbon but um, I had six them very nice uh, that's also when we uh, we drank them out of beer at half time so we were drinking warm cans of beer in the second half but uh, thank you for Anna's for uh, being a designated driver that night I still can't believe there's six hot dogs mate that is an impressive uh, I was skipping I was skipping skip the bread at the end of it it was just, it was just pure meat oh, okay. pure meat, pure meat. Yeah. fair play well pretty spectacular I'm not sure that uh, hot dogs in uh, in the UK can uh, compete with that but yeah I'm going to challenge for the next season ahead look everyone uh, who, who listens to this podcast thank you very much we do appreciate you, uh, you locking in, you listening uh, to us ramble on about our views about Palace. Um, do hope you continue to enjoy them. Uh, we certainly do uh, enjoy making them. Um, you know where to reach us at Six Pointer Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And, and Fred's. Oh, and Fred's now. Who's Fred? Fred, Fred, Fred Fred's joined Fred. us and he's allowed us to use his platform to, uh, to explain this to me there what's, what's Fred I don't, I don't really know myself oh. but it's, it's a new Twitter site thing but we're on there I need to probably you should check it see if we've got any messages see if Fred has sent any messages but we're on Fred's as well so big up Fred if you're on Fred then um, get in touch Fred it up yeah yeah until then up, up the, the palace. palace the Six Pointer Podcast oh.